Hello, friends. Welcome to Originality Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Dalton, and joining me today, as always, is our show's awesome producer, Amanda Foster. What's up? (laughs) So today, I felt led to have a conversation about healing from church trauma by Enneagram type. This is very different than other episodes that we've done, but I felt like I needed to share a little bit vulnerably about where I'm at, and hopefully that can encourage you where you're at in your healing process and what God is doing in your life. So obviously there is so much stigma around all of this that it makes it hard to even like open up a conversation because I can just I can just hear how different people are perceiving different things that I'm saying. And that's made me really nervous to to do something like this, just wanting so desiring to be honoring and and having such a love for the Lord and for the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I've really not wanted to post or um, approach the topic of um, like deconstruction because it's such a trend and it's such an awful word. Like, can we like? Could we not have picked a better word? Like, really? Well, I think it's a great word. Oh, I hate the word. I love the word deconstruction. <laughs> it's my whole life right now in real life yeah. with my house. I oh. deconstructed that thing. You, literally, your house. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it's a good thing because that house was nasty. It needed to happen. It was gross. The walls were moldy. They, like, yeah. they literally, the sheetrock was discolored yeah. and... Ew. Yeah, and and you've taken it down to, <laughs> down to the studs, and uh, took the sheetrock off. We took the wallpaper that was under the sheetrock off, mm-hmm. just like our generation is doing to their faith. Such exactly. a great analogy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But like, obviously, if there's things wrong with it, sometimes you do have to go back to the bare bones. Like the house itself, great structure, great. The roof is great. You know, mm-hmm. the the foundation itself was mostly great. Yeah. It was a great house in yeah. a great neighborhood. Not something like we didn't have to tear it down, but we did have to deconstruct uh-huh. a lot of things. And, and it's it, going to be way better yeah. and healthier to live in and more hospitable. And wow, I did not plan that as an analogy. But when you said that you didn't like deconstruction... You had to to (laughs) give me a whole analogy to argue your point. Sorry to just, you know, disagree with you. No, no, that's great. I love it. (laughs) And I think that's so good for people, you know, to realize it's healthy, it's good, and it's necessary because there's no way I would want to live in the house that was there before. Yeah. Yeah. So um, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. This is not TED. So, um, I did a post last week called healing from church trauma and it got quite a response and I was nervous to share it because, um, yeah, like I, we, me and my husband left our church last year and I want to honor the church that we left. We were really intentional to leave well and, and, and want to honor, those people and those leaders and and we love the that church those people and we love big c church like we we love the body of christ and so but i really felt like the holy spirit prompted me to do it and and there are so many people that are in so much pain um mm-hmm. and i really believe that um covid 
it, it, ex- it there's something about that about 2020 just exposed things that were hidden in the church um and there were there were there were just so many things like that were brought to light that left people reeling and hurting in big ways and um and maybe and not even those things just yeah like i i just know so many people who have gone through the craziest situations in church in the last couple of years and mm. i think our generation has kind of just had it like we're not we're not gonna stand for yeah like that's not great but you know but look at all of this you know yeah so last year so i thought i was doing really well when i i did that post so <laughs> i thought i was like fine i met up with a friend yesterday who really challenged me um to see my pain through like and the questions that i'm asking and to not be afraid of um, sharing that with the people that are in my life and that i'm close to and I really thought I was fine. I did not want to receive what she had to say. I was like, no, like, you don't understand. Like, I've talked to my therapist. Like, I'm good. Like, I'm doing better. Mm-hmm. And what I realized was it's sort of like when you break a bone and, like, initially you have such an adrenaline rush that you don't know exactly where the pain is coming from. You know you're in pain, but you're also in shock. And so, until the adrenaline rush wears down, you don't start to begin to be like, oh, that's where the pain is coming from, and then being able to address the specific issue. So I feel like maybe the first six months of last year was like pretty consistently being traumatized. And um, the the next six months were coming down from that adrenaline rush. And because I had come down from the adrenaline rush (laughs) and finally got some rest and some space and some time to grieve. I thought I was doing better. And I realized that I have not really faced my own pain. Um, And as a seven that I am, I just reframed the heck out of like that pain. Mm -hmm. was in very fierce denial until that all came crashing down last night. (laughs) So, (laughs) and then I actually like... Fun. So fun. I actually like read my own post and was like, ah, oh, dang it. This was for me too. I did Did that. you do what the seven did? I did. Did you realize when you wrote it that that's No, what- I didn't know I was still doing it. Wow. You were like, that's real denial to like write the words out and not even know. Not a clue. Not a clue. Which I have to say is like so seven though. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, so such a strong seven thing to do. (laughs) So Uh, today we were going to record a podcast. We were going to record an episode on paths and we will. Those episodes are coming. But um, I just felt like we needed to talk about the post and mm -hmm. talk through it. Talk about how each Enneagram type does face church hurt and trauma. A lot of people like responded like so strongly to it so i feel like if we didn't talk about it you know yeah like i think it i obviously it's speaking to something that people are resonating with yeah i think it's important to talk about it but um so i wanted to start out by reading a quote like the nerd that i am (laughs) that i think it's good uh it's from one of my favorite books uh walking on water reflections on faith and art by madeline lingle 
Um, and she is talking about, if you don't know who Madeline Lingle is, she is the author of A Wrinkle in Time and a bunch of other really excellent books. She's actually quite a brilliant theologian. So she, in this section of the book, is talking about basically her her deconstruction journey before there was this word for it. That's what she was going through. She was reading the German theologians. It's what she's describing here, um, which at, in that time period, this is like 30s, 40s, 50s. Like this is like, you know, it's been a minute. This book was published in 1980, but she's referring to an earlier time in her life mm -hmm. when she, um, th there were these German theologians and there was this way of approaching theology that was very clinical and analytical, and um, it was called critical. I'm not remembering the name of it right now, but it was just like a very, uh, like very logical method of um, approaching theology and answering really big questions. And so she says, I had been reading too many theologians, particularly German theologians. I was at a point in my life where my faith in God and the loving purposes of creation was very insecure, and I wanted desperately to have my faith strengthened. If I could not believe in a God who truly cared about every atom and sub-atom of his creation, then life seemed hardly worth living. I asked questions, cosmic questions, and the German theologians answered them all, and they were questions which should not have been answered in such a finite, laboratory-proof manner. I read their rigid answers, and I thought, sadly, if I have to believe all this limiting of God, then I cannot be a Christian, and I wanted to be one. I had yet to learn the faithfulness of doubt. This is often assumed by the judgmental to be faithlessness, but it is not. It is a prerequisite for a living faith. And then she says, it was the scientists with their questions, their odd rapture at the glory of the created universe who helped to convert me. So, having questions and questioning the way that God is being talked about, the way that theology is approached, the way that church is done. That is not new. That is, no. that is not new. And um, just because it's trendy doesn't mean that you can't do it because it's a trend or that it's, it's less authentic to your walk with God and your faith and what you're going through. Um, so many people are in so much pain right now. Um, for one thing or another, whether it's a life circumstance, you've gone through a divorce or you lost a child or you haven't been able to get pregnant or you lost, um, you're a parent and, um, life has been hard and challenging and on top of all of our regular life traumas, we are dealing with the trauma of a worldwide pandemic and like all, all of the insanity that has taken place globally in the last two years. And pain causes you to question things. And on top of that, we live in a world where it is so hard to find the facts. And everybody yeah. is arguing a different opinion and different stance and claiming that they know that they are certain without a doubt in every aspect of it. And I think it makes it almost impossible to not be like, okay, wait, hold up. Like, are like, is this really what we're doing? Like, this is, this is it. And, um, yeah. So I think a lot of people are questioning. And I think a lot of people are hurting. I think a lot of people have been traumatized by church in the last two years. And even before that, or maybe, maybe they had always been, people have always been being traumatized by church, but something about the last two years made it impossible to stand any longer. I don't know. Yeah. 
I think church trauma, for one, has been, you know, a huge thing for a while. And always people walk into church and the people yeah. are going to get hurt because people make choices that are poor. And yeah. Yeah. But I think that the more that people talk about it, it's almost like kind of like a me too movement kind of thing. Like if someone else talks about like, oh yeah, I was hurt by the church. Then like, they're like, oh wait, I'm not the only one, you mm-hmm. know? And then you're able to start to have that conversation. If no one has it, then everyone's just processing mm-hmm. by themselves on their own. And there's, again, like, yeah, like that huge stigma of you can't talk bad about the church. You can't talk bad about what the church did to you because that's dishonoring or whatever. But there needs to be, like, a space where we can talk about what we've been through, not so that we can bash anyone or take anyone down or you know whatever like what people do Mm -hmm. like that's their business yeah and their ministry is their business and you know you be as specific as you want to be but and and if you don't want to be specific do that too like just do whatever the lord leads you to do on like how you talk about it and it should just be for the most part, with people that, you know, you trust and you know and can process with. And then, but, like, as a whole, we also just need to be able to say, like, having those conversations is okay. Yeah. You know? And being honest with where you're at, being honest with what has hurt you is okay. And, like, we need we need to have those conversations because if we don't, then everyone's just kind of hurting by themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think it yeah. gives more opportunity for, like, I, I I believe in spiritual warfare. Like, I believe that there is an enemy that seeks to steal, kill, and destroy that wants to rob people of purpose and hope and faith in God who is their source for everything. And... um I think when we isolate, it gives opportunity for the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy. And so silencing conversations that are real and genuine to and authentic to people's faith, it, 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 it does several things. But I think one thing that it does is it makes people dishonest about how they really feel. It makes them feel like they cannot be honest with themselves or with others about what they're really going through. Yeah. And it creates a fake community. And then, but, and then like, think about a relationship that you have with someone where you feel like you can't be honest with them. It's not authentic. And then you almost like start to resent that person because they're not a safe place. And so you move away from that person because what is that worth, you know? And so I feel like that's happening a lot. Yeah. And people are ultimately like leaving the church because they feel like they can't be honest. And if that's where they're at in their journey, you know, go have that journey. We're here for you. Like when you're ready. Yeah. (laughs) But sometimes even that like has to happen or you have to take a break or whatever. But like it, it's not a surprise though, if you feel like you can't be who you really are, 
with yep. people that you would run away from those people. Why would you want to be around those people if you feel like you're being forced to be fake? And yeah. and that, like, I know from experience that, like, sometimes that can be a common thing in the church. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, personally, I've had a lot of fear about, well, if I go down this path of asking these questions and I am genuinely open to all the possibilities here, I am terrified. Like, what if I come to this conclusion or this conclusion or this conclusion and I'm rejected by people who love me dearly or I think love me dearly or I lose friendships with people or I'm, I'm, um, I'm someone that I would have critiqued five years ago, you know? Yeah. And, and that's so scary. It's just a scary (laughs) place to be. And, and, and I've kind of had to come to terms with the fact that like in order for me to grow in my faith and, and, um, it's really just, I have, I have to, I have to see these questions through. Mm-hmm. And it's a matter of me getting really honest with myself and with the Lord and um, taking fear of man out of that picture. Um, mm-hmm. And so, um, and then also realizing that this is not an intellectual process. <laughs> like I cannot, I cannot figure my way out of the questions that I'm having because a lot of them I probably will not come to conclusions on, but the reason that I'm asking these questions is because I'm in a lot of pain because I've been really hurt. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely happens when you like are hurt by someone say, you know, you're hurt by this person called the church and you're like, wow, what you did sucks. Is anything that you said true? Like, what about when you said this? Was that true? What about when you said this? And so like, pain in the church makes you doubt a lot of theology and (laughs) a lot of things about foundational stuff you know and so that's very common and I think it is smart to realize that those questions are coming along with the pain the emotional piece of this so yeah and so I'm realizing that I have a much bigger process before me than I thought I did that's super vulnerable to say uh, to you or to this uh, lovely camera or microphone <laughs> in front of me. Um, but being the seven that I am, I want to be all better right now. Like I, I really want this to be over. I want to, like I started visiting churches, like I'm like ready to move on and like get back to life and like realizing like, oh, I, I just started healing. Yeah. I, I, I really actually have a lot more uh, tears ahead of me and um, processing that needs to be done in order for me to one just be healthy mm-hmm. and two uh, to settle some of my beliefs and the questions that have come up out of response to that pain but three um, walk into a church knowing who I am and not just adapt to another church culture yeah
Okay, so with all of that being said, all of the uh, vulnerability that I can muster at this point in time <laughs> in my life, um, maybe someday we will we will get next level and like real yeah. tears and stories. That and was a stuff. good start. It's it was a good like I I feel like it's like a step up for me. Like mm-hmm. I really actually don't share super vulnerably on the podcast. Like a couple times I have in a little bit, a little bit here only and there. when you want to. Yeah. Which, it's fine to only be vulnerable when you want to, but... I mean, <laughs> I think there's some wisdom in that, yeah. but I think vulnerability is powerful. But it's good conversation. And, yeah, and I I just think it's it's important. Mm-hmm. And so, wanted to open up that conversation here. Yeah. yeah. So, we're going to move on to the post. And so, I'm just going to read through what I wrote on each type, and we're going to have a conversation about each one. Um, how each yeah. type naturally reacts to trauma and church hurt and this can be for you can you can still be in the church and not be deconstructing and deal with church hurt like yeah that's normal that's part of life and it's something we all have to navigate and so my hope is that through through this through the enneagram we can point to maybe some unhealthy tendencies each personality type tends towards in response to hurt and trauma and maybe some beginning next steps towards healing. So that's what this is. And I, I really hope that the Lord speaks to you through it. Okay. Let's do it. Let's dissect these numbers and the pain and the hurt. <laughs> just kidding. So fun. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's kind of what we just prefaced though. But yeah, yeah. It, it kind of is. So, okay. A little brutal. All right. Here we go. You ready? Type one, when one's experienced church hurt, they tend to assume that it is their fault. Their inner critic searches for ways to blame themselves for the pain that they are experiencing. Ones begin the road to healing and growth when they can look at the situation objectively and allow themselves the appropriate anger response they would have over the same injustice if it had occurred in someone else's life or outside of a church context. Mm. I think a lot of different personality types are going to relate to this one because I think a lot of people tend to, upon encountering hurt, blame themselves initially um, and look for what they could have done to prevent it or how they could have done things differently. And it takes a while to get past that too, like, oh, this isn't just my fault. And if this had happened to somebody else, then I wouldn't have assumed that it was my fault. I would have been angry over that injustice. Do you feel like it's like their pain or their regret is around not protecting themselves enough? So ones, because they are doing what is right. They're trying to be good. They're very efficient and they look for, they look for what's wrong. They look for the problems. Mm-hmm. Um, they, so you feel they, like they tend to think that most things, if they are feeling hurt or pain or something went wrong, then to some extent they're going to tend to take personal responsibility because for it. Because they should have seen it coming or something like that. Yeah. Like they could have, it's their fault. Yeah. They, they tend to internalize it. Well, if I'm hurting, then it must be my fault. I must mm-hmm. have um, 
And 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 I think there is something where I I feel like ones they're very loyal and they they can be very critical of authority figures in their life looking for like what's what that could have been done better or this could have been done better but for the most part they they want to gain the approval of the authority figures in their life or even just their community they mm-hmm. they want other people to like them they want to do a good job they want to do their part they want to help others and so when they're in the process of doing that and they get hurt in the middle of that situation, they just tend to naturally assume that it's their fault. And some of it is that the one believes that their harsh inner critic has their best interest. And the harsh inner critic is the voice of the enemy. It is, I mean, it, it is, and it's not, it, it's, it's a combination of being really hard on themselves and mm-hmm. in that space, the enemy will feed you lies yeah, that then sure. affirm that then, you know, your harsh inner critic can then take and champion to beat yourself up over. Mm-hmm. And so because they are naturally so hard on themselves, it, it, it just becomes their inclination of, I must have done something wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. So moving on to type two. Twos are very loyal, and because of their strong empathy, they can also so clearly see the intent of someone else's heart and the actions they have taken. Because of this, twos typically don't realize their own trauma until they have recognized it in someone near them who has gone or is going through something similar. Hmm. Healing begins for the two when they can extend the same compassion towards themselves as they do to others and value themselves instead of playing the role of the martyr. I really question putting that last line in there, playing the role of the martyr, because um, I like to say that I talk about the Enneagram in a kind way. And a lot of Enneagram books talk about the two, of uh, like in terms of playing the role of the martyr. And I feel like that's really extreme language. Um, but because I was trying to be concise in this post, I really wanted to get across. Like the two tends to feel like, oh, well, just because I'm hurt, that doesn't really matter. I need to just let go of my pain or my, um, my emotions are selfish. So I need to just, they, they interpret dying to self as not valuing themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a fine line to, to really learn anyways. Oh yeah. For that's anyone. so, that is, that is every single personality type trying to to navigate that and figure out like, okay, I need to value myself in this situation, but Jesus also calls me to take up my cross. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and what does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean? That's a whole, that's a whole question. How many punches are you supposed to take before you just get out of the ring? He he, (laughs) he said to turn the other cheek. Yeah. That was Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it, it also disregards, God's value of us and how he sees us. And right. Um, if you see someone in, a, in, a, in an abusive relationship, you'd be like, don't put yourself through that. Mm-hmm. And yet so many times in the church, we're like, if God hasn't told you to leave, then don't leave. But like, if you saw a girl who was going through it with a guy, you'd be like, Get out of there. I don't need you to hear God. I can tell you right now, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, why is there this double standard? Because people, 
a, a church leader can abuse someone just as much as an abusive boyfriend can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not, there's no difference between a person and a person. Yeah. People make choices and can be hurtful no matter whether it is just some somebody's boyfriend or a pastor or a church leader mm-hmm. or just somebody like in church. Like it can even just be a community of people that have a culture of toxicity yeah, and unhealth. Like fakeness. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it could come from a level, a variety of sources. Mm-hmm. But I think what's important and what we're trying to communicate is that you have value because you were created in God's image. Yeah. And um, as twos, twos so value other people. They have so much compassion for others and they have so much value for other people that they they don't have for themselves. And I think when they can recognize like, oh, if this had happened to like, if I had a little sister that had gone through the same thing I went through, yeah, how would I respond? And, and they, they, they may still tend towards, it's okay if we're taking advantage of our rewards in heaven. It's okay if um, we were hurt in this way because we just need to die to self Mm -hmm. and get over it and Mm -hmm. move on. And there's this like, just this tendency to be so hopeful and optimistic and believe the best, which is also a very seven thing. Twos and sevens can be similar in this, but, but to not value themselves and the process of facing their own pain and really for a two to be most effective and loving and helping others, they have to face their own pain first. They have to value themselves enough to go on a journey with the Holy Spirit and heal. Mm-hmm. And there's a deepening of their faith. There's a maturing of of their theology and of their their own heart that happens in that place. It's can be really painful and really hard, but it's also just so beautiful. And I think there's a balance to that still too. Oh yeah. Because it's like, you know, just because you get your feelings hurt or something. Oh yeah. It's like we don't need to just get offended not, left and right and yeah, like or say I'm oh, better than this or I deserve better when it's like when no one is actually doing because I've yeah. seen people do that too. Yes. And absolutely. that's not pretty. That's not healthy. You need to gain a little bit of self awareness. <laughs> but there's so like there's a balance. We're not saying, yes. you know, we don't need to just be like angry and hurt and offended and never yeah. actually process that and get over it, but just become bitter and hard hearted and yeah. like, oh, well, I'm going to go and do my own thing mm-hmm. and I was hurt by this, so God sucks and I'm going to yeah, whatever. But at the same time, value yourself and don't, you know, let people... Yeah, you don't have to... <sighs> it's, valuing it's a yourself... Balance. It's a balance. Valuing yourself enough to like see a therapist or like, you know, process your pain doesn't mean that you're going to become the angry person that's Mm -hmm. super easily offended and overly sensitive. Like it, there, there has to be a middle ground somewhere that I really believe there's health in. Mm -hmm. And I think for some people, they struggle to face their own pain and trauma and to like recognize it just because they see this group of people over here that's so angry and so hurt and mm-hmm. it's just bitter and it's it's yeah. it's like this this vortex of like like they're not getting better they're yeah. like we're not seeing any anything really happening here that's moving towards health and so like that's absolutely not like when we're talking about like mm-hmm. 
deconstruction's okay. Like, ask questions. We are not saying, like, just get angry and bitter and run away from God. Like, we are, right. we are advocating. That's a whole different conversation. Yes. We are advocating for health and healing and hope and a deeper faith yeah. on the other side of being honest and authentic with yeah. yourself. But, yeah. And, but, yeah, the, the whole thing about deconstruction, I feel like it's, like, just so important to go back to that because I feel like there's so many di- different like groups of people right now who would you know say they're going through deconstruction or whatever there's there's a lot of angry people and for good reason there's a lot of angry people maybe not for good reason i don't know it's their experience so i can't really say if it's not or not but there's people who are actively seeking healing and there's people who are not actively seeking healing. And we just, we can't group all of that together and say, well, deconstruction is bad because this is the result of it or whatever. Mm. Like deconstruction is valid. It's so valid. And I feel like people just see a bunch of pain and hurt and a very long process. It's not an easy process. It's not like, oh, I'm going to think about this for six months and then I'm over it. Yeah. Like, it's not, that's not what it is. And so, you know, people see this long, arduous process and they're like, nothing good is coming from this. So we just need to invalidate it. Mm-hmm. And it's dumb and rebellious and whatever. And it's like, actually, no, people are asking these questions because they need to be answered. If you're going to build your house on a solid foundation, you need to know solid answers mm-hmm. of the fundamental questions. Yeah. And if you've grown up your whole life in this culture and then, and I mean, it, I, I bet you grew up strong and you were in a good place and you're like, yes, I love mm-hmm. the Lord. Yes, I agree with all these things. But there comes to, like to a place where you're like, okay, I need to go back and reevaluate. Is this what I really believe? And that comes from a genuine place and it comes from... I want to genuinely know the Lord, so I'm going to bravely ask these questions. Yes. And I, I'm just so mad at people who invalidate deconstruction mm-hmm. because they see in their eyes this group of rebellious people who, you know, are just like trying to dive off the deep end for no reason or because they disagree about a couple things that are obviously correct or whatever. I'm I'm rambling and I'm getting heated, but I, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I just yeah, I probably said as much as I could say at this point about it, but just be be kind, be patient, listen to people, listen to their experiences. Don't write them off just because you haven't gone through that or misunderstand it. And if you have gone through it and you're on the other side of it and you are still looking at them like that, mm-hmm. like I feel like some people do that too or they're, they've already asked those hard questions or maybe they just didn't grow up in the church and didn't, you know, I don't know. But yeah, it's valid. Yeah. And if you are in a culture where asking questions is a bad thing, then that is a red flag. Oh yeah. I, I <laughs> that, for, 
I'm at the point where if a leader is not empowering you to think for yourself and to learn how to think critically, they are not discipling you. Mm -hmm. They are trying to control and manipulate you out of fear and intimidation. And that is not the Lord. And I like find someone who will teach you how to think for yourself Mm -hmm. and empower you to learn how to interpret scripture for yourself and, and how to make decisions based on a process not on somebody telling you this is the way it is so you need to believe this yeah like what is that yeah that's just i feel like i grew up thinking that that was okay and it's just like wow maybe that's not maybe that's not the best way to do we should have people who think for themselves what a concept wow maybe that's something jesus was doing when he told parables he told stories that challenged people to be like what did he mean when he said that yeah and they had to search it out and, and and find it tangent on to number three <laughs> you were just you were just procrastinating talking about I was the three not. <laughs> maybe i was She's over here stalling <laughs> i didn't think so i'm actually excited to talk about the three all right i actually well yeah all right let's do it so while threes can be very independent they love to use their considerable gifts to serve someone else's vision Threes are quick to serve and slow to trust. When hurt, threes tend to reframe the negative experience as a positive, not wanting pain to slow them down or keep them from achieving their goals. Healing begins for the three when they can give themselves the gift of the time they need for deep healing, to press pause on progress in order to make space to face the pain they are in. Yep. (laughs) I agree with all of that, except I'm not sure about the trust one for me. I feel like I'm very quick to trust. Hmm. Interesting. I And I don't know if I'm just like kidding myself on that one. Do you feel like you're quick to trust authority, like 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 churches or people, like leaders, or quick to trust just individuals? Church, for sure. Mm-hmm. Individuals, if I have a good first impression, you won me over. Now, if I have a bad first impression, then I'm also quick to just be like, eh. I don't like that person. Yeah. So the reason that (laughs) I wrote that in there like that is threes because they tend to be a little bit chameleon-like. They tend to change um, how they present themselves depending on the situation that they're in. Um, And that sounds like they're liars. That's not it. It's that they tend to mirror people um, because they want people to like them. And it's a very natural thing that happens. It's not like the way some books talk about three basically for me i feel like that comes out as like a lot of people that i meet if we like somehow meet on like a one-on-one basis Mm -hmm. um they always tell me man you're just like so easy to talk to Mm -hmm. like it's just like weird i i usually am not like don't open up like this to people yeah well threes are so good at connecting with people and getting people to open up about themselves so they they deflect the attention, like, they they can either, an unhealthy three will just talk about themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, a healthy three will get people to like them by deflecting attention. I feel like unconsciously, but very purposefully, when I meet someone new, my goal is to 
like host their emotions almost. Interesting. That's got to be your four wing too. Well, it's yeah, but like it's almost like just to get them comfortable enough, like oh, yeah. make them feel like get a laugh, get a joke, make them feel like I've okay. heard and seen them and then like just let whatever happens happens to get okay. the most authentic side of them that I can find because I just want to like connect with someone. Yeah. This has nothing to do with we don't even have You know what? Is. Like um that's really interesting. Like I I wonder how much people do relate to their quick to slurp and quick to serve and slow to trust like that part of the description. Yeah. Um I wonder how much people really relate to that. But I I feel like that's true for threes. Um that they are quick to take action to serve but slow to like really open up. But maybe I'm wrong about that and maybe Could that be. I mean that I don't may know. not have been your experience. I mean I might just be weird. <laughs> um but quick to serve for sure because yes. we want to serve and you know that's like the the catch 22 of being a 3 and being in the church is I want to serve so that people can like know that I'm worth something. Yeah. <laughs> and and then you know you have Jesus who's like <laughs> You know, don't try to be worth something because all our worth is in the Lord or something yeah. like that. I, I wouldn't even say that is exactly what he said, but pretty much. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so it's like I want to serve. I want to feel good about serving and then I feel bad for feeling good about it or like finding worth in it. Oh, yeah. That's a whole topic because I think, you know, there's this thing that happens in church where people find significance and identity and leading and serving and using their gifts. And I think so many people are created to use those same gifts outside of the church. But if they feel either validated or invalidated in those gifts within the four walls of the church, they either feel like they have to use it within the church or they feel invalidated where they don't feel like they can use it outside of the church. Yeah. Which I don't exactly. know. If, I don't know if that quite made sense, if, if that was uh, – clearly like there was a clear thread to follow there but I think for threes it is so hard to come to terms with oh but if my significance is in how people view me here then mm -hmm. being hurt it can take a while to process through yeah like, and it, it can almost feel like a, a loss of significance a loss of worth to come to terms with oh I, I have been hurt mm -hmm. we don't want to stop serving and no. so, because a lot of validation comes from that. And so, if something's wrong, we're going to pretend like it's not wrong so that we can continue to serve out of an authentic heart. And we just shove it down. And then I feel like for me, there was a time when I was serving and trying to do that and then I was told that I was prideful at the same time that I was trying to serve. And when you're already dealing with that, and honestly, I, like, of course I can struggle with it. But I, I wonder if other threes have, like, been hurt by being called that they're prideful mm. because they wanted to serve and, you know, offer their all. And maybe that is, like, a valid thing but yeah. it's so it's like 
Oh, it's like a... like we are still people. Okay. Like I think that's that's a wrestling of faith of of mm-hmm. pride and humility. That's that's part of the sanctification process, and I think it is something everybody, literally everyone, like there is nobody in church that does not on some level wrestle with their own pride. And for a three, it's it's so easy for threes to find um, validation and identity in what they're doing, anything that's action-oriented. And so it, I, it's just so hard for threes to be able to step away from serving or working or um, finding validation using their gifts in order to not just heal and process their pain and ask their questions, but to discover like who they really are, who mm-hmm. God has really created them to be like yeah. on their own two feet in the, the passion that God's given them, what, what he's given them their gifting for, um, and to be able to see themselves clearly um, through God's eyes outside of how they yeah. tend to blend and adapt to a church community or church culture. So because we have had such a good conversation and we really took time to dive into some of the nuances of deconstruction and church hurt, um, we are making this a two-part series. So if you happened across this video today, and I'm so blessed that you you were able to be a part of this conversation with us. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your story. We want to hear what you're going through. If um, you related to this, if you didn't, Um, but uh, I would really just love to take a moment and pray for you. Um, If if you are processing church hurt or um, trauma or pain that feels big (laughs) and it feels um scary i want you to know that you're going to be okay that god actually really is bigger than all of that and he can handle it and his light shines so bright in those places that feel icky and hard and painful Mm -hmm. and we're going through it too We're, we're in it with you um so lord god i just ask that your presence would meet with people where they are, that you would comfort them in their pain, that God, you would you would show us truth, that you would bring us into all truth, Lord, that you would make yourself known, that you would make yourself so clear, that you would heal hearts, that God, people would have so much grace for themselves, that you would show us how to value ourselves and, and, and lay our life down that um, we would walk and surrender to you, that we would um, surrender our pride and receive our identity as who you say we are, that we would surrender our gifts and that we wouldn't find our identity in those things, but that we would also be absolutely who you've called and created us to be, empowered by your Holy Spirit to do the things you've created us for. And Lord, I ask these things in Jesus' name. All right, well, that's it for today. Um, Tune in next week for part two on types four through nine, healing from church trauma. 
I am so blessed by those of you who have been listening and sharing the podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Please leave a review on iTunes if you love the podcast. It really helps people find it. And uh, follow me at Just Loves Personality on Instagram and um, follow Originality at Originality Podcast. All right, I like to close out our time together with a quote from C.S. Lewis. No man who bothers about originality will ever be original. Whereas if you simply try to tell the truth, you will become original without ever having noticed it. Until next time.